Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Nick's World of Sports. I'm Nick Sapola. Thank you once again for tuning in. This is episode 28. I know I'm a little later than I thought I was going to be this week, so, you know, tough shit. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, a little bit of stuff came up. This is my last week ever as a student, and I just had my last class ever as a student today. Today is Thursday, December 1st, the year of our Lord, 2022. We're almost at the end of 2022, and that also means football's on its way out, unfortunately, or the regular season. Fantasy playoffs are coming up. I got mine coming up. I'm hoping to make it in all three of my leagues this year. Got some betting stuff. You know, the best time to bet all year is winding down, unfortunately. So all you FanDuel and DraftKings guys are going to have to go into hibernation until next August or September, besides maybe March Madness coming up. But now we're getting to that point in the year where it's kind of going to be a little boring for some sports, especially the big football guys, the big baseball guys. And we got some World Cup to talk about, too. That's been pretty exciting. The World Cup's been full of surprises. If you haven't checked out my most recent TikTok on my personal account, at NickSip69, I did post a, uh, I thought, a rather humorous TikTok about the nation of Iran losing to the United States of America. Shout out my guy, Christian Pulisic. He's uh, an American hero. He'll go down in history for what he did against uh, Iran. But job's not finished for Team USA. They still got some work to do Saturday at 10 a.m. Set your clocks, everyone. They'll be going up against the Dutch people in Netherlands. I might have fucked that up, but so what? Sue me, I guess, at this point. Anyways, that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're not going to talk about World Cup. I know there's not a big audience for soccer in the United States, unfortunately, besides when they do play. But uh, we're going to jump right into some football. I know I'm probably the last person that's going to be talking about last week's football, week 12. But we're going to talk some week 12 football. We kind of covered Thanksgiving already, so I'm not going to be talking about the Bills-Lions game, the Giants-Cowboys, or the Patriots and Vikings game. However, we are going to be talking about some of the Sunday games and the Monday game. There wasn't a whole lot of football this week, but there were some intriguing games. Going into this week, I said to myself, good lord, there is nothing on. There's going to be no good games. The only one I thought would be slightly interesting to be honest with you, is Raiders Seahawks. I also thought that maybe, just maybe, Packers Niners would be good. But there's a couple of surprises, and I was genuinely surprised by some of these games. So we're going to jump right into the first big surprise of the week. The Cleveland Massage Parlors Browns beat up on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in overtime. This was an intriguing game, to say the least. I mean, I was very happy about the outcome. I'm not going to talk too much about it, like the beginning, because it was kind of boring. Couple of touchdowns, couple of field goals. It's 17-10 going into the fourth after a Kiev five-yard touchdown reception from Tom Brady. If you had Kiev, I don't know how the fuck to say that, but if you had him scoring a touchdown this week. Congratulations. Uh, do you want to send me the Powerball numbers, potentially? I mean, I'm still, I'm now a freshly out of college broke boy who kind of needs some help with his rent money. <laughs> nah, but seriously. Uh, so that made it 17 to 10. Anthony Schwartz had a touchdown for the, uh, the, oh, why am I blanking? The Browns early. 
to make it 7 nothing. A Godwin matched a touchdown. Suck up and Cade York traded some field goals. So then the fourth quarter, it looks like it's like a fourth and short situation. Jacoby Brissett drops back, finds a wide open Amari Cooper, my boy. My, one of my favorite players ever. One of my favorite Cowboys ever. We miss you in Dallas, Amari. If you're ever listening to this, just know the, the fans miss you. We miss you down in Dallas, Texas. But dropped a, Amari routed his man up, as he always does. Some of the crispest routes in football. Just had a ball right off the hands, right off the between the one and the nine. Just plopped down, incomplete. We thought the game might have been over right there. However, it wasn't meant to be over right there. Browns get the ball back, drive all the way down the field. Fourth and ten. Jacoby Brissett drops back at the twelve yard line from the twelve yard line. He drops back, finds my boy, the tight end from the U, the man with all the potential in the world, but never seems to put it together. Except he put it together. David Njoku made an insane one-handed snag in the back of the end zone for the game-tying touchdown with 32 seconds left in the game. Right there, it's like, holy shit, this game's going to go to overtime. Are we going to have another Brady versus Browns classic? Because there has been some in the past. And sure enough, it was. It was. Look at this. You can't write this. Tom Brady gets the ball. Turnover. Turnover. They turn it over on... I think they punted. Cleveland gets the ball. They drive all the way down the field. Big plays include a deep strike to Amari Cooper to get down to the two-yard line. I was doing jumping jacks, backflips, whatever you want to call it. I was stoked to see that. And I hate the Cleveland Browns. I recently became a hater of the Cleveland Browns because of Deshaun Watson. Fuck that guy. We'll talk about him right after I finish this little segment here. And, you know... I was rooting for them because I don't like the Buccaneers either. Tom Brady's back under 500. The Browns kind of salvage a little bit of their season, so it's not as bad. But, hey, Jacoby Brissett in what might be his final start of the year really left it all out there. He played a great game, 23-37, of 210, a touchdown and a pick. But by great game, I mean, you know, he got it together when it mattered most. He kept his team in the game. He didn't necessarily lose the game for his team, and he did a job. He arguably played better than Brady, who was 29 of 43 for 246 and two touchdowns. Nick Chubb had a man's game. 26 carries, 116 yards, and the game-winning touchdown in overtime. They didn't even have to run that ball in with 19 seconds left in overtime. But they did it anyways. And you know what? That was great for one of my fantasy teams. Thank you, Kevin Stefanski, for trusting Nick Chubb to score that touchdown. 23-17 final. Top receivers of the game, too. Amari Cooper for the Browns had seven receptions for 94 yards. That's my boy. That's my boy. Pride of Alabama. Then the passing yard, or the I guess for uh, the rushing yards and receiving yards for Tampa Bay, the leaders were uh, White. What's his first name? I want to say it's not Rondell, is it? Rashad White. Four car- 14 carries for 64 yards for Tampa Bay. And Chris Godwin had probably his best game of the year so far. 12 receptions, 110 yards, and a touchdown. I played against Godwin in one of my leagues this week, and uh, yeah, kind of fucked me. Kind of fucked me this week. <sighs> of course. We're going to move on to the next game. This one also kind of piqued my interest a bit. It was Cincinnati and Tennessee. So we had some wackiness in this game, including a very, very wacky first touchdown of the game. So no scoring in the first quarter. Second quarter, McPherson and Shudak traded. A couple of field goals, a couple of mid-range field goals, 3-3. Three, three. 
Derrick Henry catches a screen pass, and he is gone. Looks like it's going to be an easy walk-in, 76-yard touchdown. I'm excited because I want Derrick Henry to score a touchdown there. I'm like, let's go. All of a sudden, the ball gets poked out from behind him at the one, a la Trayvon Diggs to DK Metcalf. Pokes it out at the one. It's like, oh, shit. Oh, no, he's not going to score. But rookie receiver Traylon Burks comes to save the day for Tennessee. Scores a touchdown right there on the fumble recovery, which you can advance into the end zone once it's not inside of two minutes of the half or end of the game. Stupid rule, by the way. The holy roller happened over 50 years ago now. We can just get rid of that rule. It's fucking stupid. But regardless, Tennessee takes a 10-3 lead. Samaje Pirine scores a touchdown in Joe Mixon's absence to make it a 10-10 game. Third quarter, a couple of field goals again traded by McPherson, Shudak. Then the fourth quarter is where it got really interesting. Joe Burrow threw an absolute dime to T. Higgins for a touchdown. If you, I think people don't understand how good Joe Burrow truly is. People are like, oh, they're hating on him because he got all that popularity. You know, the Joe Shiesty, the Joe Burrow shit, all that stuff that came about last year. But Joe Burrow really had a nice – he's had a nice season. He's one of the top-ranked fantasy quarterbacks. I personally think he's a top-ten quarterback in football right now. I, I might even do a top-ten f- – off the top of my head, I might do a top-ten quarterbacks list today because I saw yesterday the PFI or the uh, NFL Network's uh, top-ten quarterbacks, and I was appalled by some of the names in the top ten. Like, I couldn't believe it. But that throw from Burrow to T. Higgins shows me that Joe Burrow is the real deal, and he's one of the best quarterbacks in this league for a reason, or one of the better quarterbacks in this league. It's an absolute dime. The uh, Titans thought they were going to get the ball back. They kicked the field goal to make it 20-16 to with 6.07 left. They thought they were going to get the ball back down six. They kicked the field. The uh, Bengals kick a field goal, but unfortunately the uh, whatever was the nose guard for – the uh, the Titans ran into the snapper. There was like some kind of rule you can't run into the snapper. It's a fairly new rule. You're not allowed to use him for leverage. You're not allowed to run him over. Stuff like that. He ran him over the Titans guy, and it gave it gave the Bengals a first down and allowed them to ice the game. And the final stayed at twenty to sixteen. For the Titans, kind of a weird game statistically. Ryan Tannehill didn't have a bad game, but didn't have a great game. He was 22 of 34 for 291 yards. He should have gotten a passing touchdown, but the Derrick Henry fumble proved not. Uh, Derrick Henry on the ground had 17 carries for 38 yards, probably one of his worst games of the year. He, He just doesn't show up against the Bengals or the Ravens sometimes. I just don't get it. Derrick Henry was also the leading receiver. Three catches for 79 yards. For the Bengals, Joe Burrow is 22-37, 270 yards, and a beautiful touchdown strike to T. Higgins. Samaj P. Ryan on the ground had a, a pretty mid game. Not a great game, but pretty mid. 17 carries for 58 yards and a touchdown. T. Higgins had seven receptions for 114 and a touchdown. That's a man's game from T. Higgins. And it just gets better for the Bengals. They're now tied for the division lead. We'll talk about that one in a minute. And we also got... Jamar Chase coming back next this upcoming week. It was D just said he stayed out for precautionary reasons this past week, and he's going to play. Jamar Chase is going to be back, baby. I can't wait. Jamar Chase is one of the most electric receivers in football, one of the most electric players. And I'm ready. I'm ready to see Jamar back in action. My fantasy team's ready. It's going to be exciting. 
Let's move on to a less exciting game, unfortunately, because it's on here. Got to talk about the one nine and one Houston Texans losing fifteen to thirty to the eight and three Miami Dolphins. Now, the Dolphins kind of it was thirty to nothing, and the Dolphins kind of took their foot off the gas midway through the third. They allowed the Texans to kind of come back. Tua was done halfway through the third quarter. Tua was twenty two of thirty six for two hundred ninety nine yards and a touchdown pass. And Tyreek Hill was six receptions for 85 yards. His touchdown pass was to, I believe it was Durham Smythe. Yeah, Durham Smythe, four-yard touchdown catch. Durham Smythe's one of the better backup tight ends in football. And that came in the first quarter to make it 10-0. It was all... Kyle Allen had a weird game. It was all Dolphins, really, in this one. Jeff Wilson had a touchdown. Xavier Howard had a touchdown, too, on a fumble return. You know, it was an exciting game if you're a Dolphins fan. And... uh I'm not necessarily a fan of the Dolphins. I am a diehard Cowboys fan, but I do like this Dolphins team on paper. I like that they have some weapons. I personally have been a Tua defender for a while. I usually don't defend Alabama quarterbacks, but Tua just was different for me for some reason. I am a proud member of Tuanon, as it's now called on the internet. It's the uh, it's like the QAnon, I guess, whatever. It's Tuanon now. And uh, I truly believe there's a to a wave coming this year in the uh, MVP voting. Right now, if the season ends, call me crazy. Tua Tagovailoa is my MVP of the NFL. Call me crazy. I mean, there's some great candidates out there. You know, uh, the dude who can't throw more than 20 yards either, Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I don't think he's the MVP. Lamar's kind of fizzled out. Josh Allen hasn't been the same since the injury. Patty Mahomes probably is my next pick for MVP if it's not him. Micah Parsons should be thrown in this discussion as well. So should Justin Jefferson. So should, even unfortunately for me to say, it's Saquon Barkley maybe, or one of the better running backs. I think Micah Parsons has a legitimate argument because he is a legitimate game changer on the other side of the ball. But since it's such a quarterback central, like it's a quarterback centered award in the MVP, two is my MVP right now just because he's been so good when he started and finished games. He's I think it's now 17-1 and one in his last 18 games as the starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. Like, He just doesn't lose games, and this year he's been very good. The Dolphins made the right choice by sticking with Tua, and I had a gut feeling about that too. I'm not trying to sound like LeBron James saying, oh, you know, I made sure the Dolphins didn't trade Tua. I just knew Tua was a lot better than what he was, and I'm happy they have the right coach that trusts him in Mike McDaniel, who's my also my pick for coach of the year right now. I don't think Brian Flores had the right idea by saying, I want Deshaun, I don't want Tua as my quarterback. Well, newsflash, Brian, Brian Flores. Tua Tagovailoa is arguably the best quarterback in football this year. He went from asking, am I trash last year, to saying, Brian Flores is trash. Tua Tagovailoa, MVP of the National Football League in 2022-23. Take it to the bank right now. If you're a betting man, go on to DraftKings, go on to FanDuel right now. If you have a free bet, put it on Tua Tagovailoa, MVP. Moving on to an exciting game. I want to give a special shout-out before I do this one. Shout-out to uh, the big man himself, big cuz, big bro, Adam D'Amato. Uh, we were talking some Jets football at Thanksgiving, and we were talking some Jets football during the week. And uh, my man kind of nailed this one. I mean, he was right. He said the Jets were going to come out hot this year. They are going to stay hot. He said the Jets were going to be a lot better than people thought, and they might be making a run at a playoff spot. I I did like the over-win total for the Jets this year when the win totals were released. I liked the Jets over their win total. 
I did not expect them to be seven and four right now, however. So shout out to Adam and shout out to my brother Danny, who also was claiming at one point the Jets were gonna be like fourteen and two or something. I don't know. He was just doing his normal Danny rant where he's just full of his own teams, but I can't blame him. This Jets seems probably is one of the more exciting teams in a while. I have a lot of friends that are Jets fans. My brother's a Jets fan. My cousins are Jets fans, some of them. So I have a bit of a soft spot for the New York football Jets. Well, I was also reading a rumor about yesterday that they might be moving back to Queens. Fingers crossed for me because, believe me, we want New York football on lo- down here in the city in Long Island. We want New York football. We don't want to go all the way up to Buffalo, no matter how good they are. And we don't want to go all the way down to, you know, New Jersey because, I mean, if I'm allowed to say this, am I allowed to say it? Yeah, I'll say it. Fuck New Jersey. That place is the Ohio of the Northeast. Fuck it. Fuck that place. You will not catch me lacking in the state of New Jersey. Unless I'm working at in Secaucus for uh, MLB Network one day, but we'll see about that one. That's a, more of a pipe dream at this point. But for the most part, you will never catch me lacking in New Jersey. But anyways, there's something else we got to talk about the Jets. They made a quarterback change, and the former Cowboy draft pick turned Jets folk hero. Fan favorite Mike White had himself a day again. Mike White went out against the Bears and dropped his nuts on the table and said, here, here they are. Big, right? Yeah, yeah, fuck you. 31 to 10, the Jets win. Mike White has himself a day. Not quite the Bengals game he had last year, but he had himself a great day out there. The Eastern Kentucky product, Adam, take a drink to that. I know you for a fact you don't know that Mike White went to Eastern Kentucky. Fuck you. (laughs) Not seriously, but still, I knew that one. Mike White, 22 of 28, 315 yards, three touchdowns. Garrett Wilson was the recipient of two of those three touchdowns. He had five receptions for 95 yards. I traded away Garrett Wilson months ago in fantasy football. That game kind of made me regret it. Uh, Knight for the Jets. uh, Zonovan Knight with a Z. That's kind of weird. Just say Donovan, dude. What the hell? 14 carries for 69 yards. Nice. The Jets' leading players right there. We had an Elijah Moore sighting, too. Elijah Moore caught a touchdown in the third quarter on a 22-yard strike from Mike White. It's good to see Elijah Moore get involved. Ty Johnson had a 32-yard run. Garrett Wilson had two touchdowns, one of eight yards, one of 54 yards. The uh, Bears, however, I'm a little disappointed with. I know there was no Justin Fields, but then there was some crazy shit that happened pregame that I was genuinely – it piqued my interest a bit. So, we learned Justin Fields wasn't going to go. His left shoulder is bothering him. I think it's a separated shoulder, if I'm not mistaken, or dislocated. So, he was a no-go. He tried to warm up. No-go. They start warming up Trevor Simeon to go. Trevor Simeon gets an oblique injury in pregame. Who? Everyone's going to ask. Well, now that they're on Trevor Simeon, who's the starter? Nathan Peterman. It was reported like about 20 minutes before game time, Nathan Peterman was going to be the starting quarterback. The memes were flying. I was super excited because I'm like, holy shit, this is John Gruden's boy that he had to have back up Derek Carr. Nathan Peterman's going to be playing a professional game for the Chicago Bears. This is going to be too great. This is perfect television. The Bears then decide, fuck it. Simeon says he can go. We're going to go with Trevor Simeon. Trevor Simeon had himself, you know, a replacement level day not something great but not something bad i mean this is the kind of day you see a backup do this you're kind of like you know what all right if it's for one or two starts i'll take it 14 to 25 
179 yards and a touchdown, and unfortunately for him, an interception. On the ground, David Montgomery continues to kind of pick up some steam. 14 carries for 79 yards, and of course, the TikTok master himself, Chase Claypool, the pride of Notre Dame, the dude who, who announced his replacement over in Pittsburgh, had two receptions for 51 yards. The only touchdown scored was a Byron Pringle four-yard touchdown pass from Trevor Simeon in the beginning moments of the second quarter. And they were up 10-7 to at that point, and that was the last lead the uh, Bears saw. It, was, it looked like early on it might have been a QB duel, but Mike White's just a superior quarterback to Trevor Simeon, and I can't believe I just said that statement. Wow. I think the Jets have found their quarterback long-term. I know it's a bit of an overreaction to say this, but I think Zach Wilson made his last start of at least 2022 for the New York Jets. Zach Wilson will not start the rest of the season. It's going to be the Mike White show, and if Mike White happens to go down, they're going to turn to Joe Flacco, who I think is a more than capable backup, and this is probably Joe Flacco's last year as a pro, unfortunately, and it's sad because I I was a bit of a Flacco fanboy growing up. My father was a huge Flacco guy. My dad loved Joe Flacco's game. He's got a big cannon arm, had that crazy postseason run, got the bag. I genuinely believe Joe Flacco was elite for a period of time until he got traded to Denver and Lamar became the guy, but... Yeah, Joe Flacco is the backup for the Jets now. Zach Wilson's going to be a healthy scratch the rest of the year. Might have played even his last game in Broadway for the Jets. I think he might be done. He's looking like, after his comments he made, we talked about it last time, I kind of went on and on and on about it. And I truly believe the Jets, players at least, the players, are sick of Zach Wilson. Elijah Moore got involved. And Elijah Moore was saying earlier in the year, I don't have a relationship with Zach Wilson. He doesn't get me the ball. Elijah Moore led the team in touchdowns last year as a receiver. What the fuck? What the fuck is this shit? And then now Mike White goes in there, a guy who is a healthy scratch most of the year, balls the fuck out. Like, what the fuck is this? It's like an RG3 Kirk Cousins situation all over again, except Mike White looks like he's the Messiah in New York, and the Jets aren't going to let him leave to go to Minnesota. Like the... Redskins did, at the, or at the time Redskins did, when Kirk Cousins left to go to Minnesota. It looks like Mike White's going to be the starting quarterback for the Jets, potentially long-term, if he really does it. This is Mike White's audition. He's going to keep going until they lose, most likely, or keep going until he gets hurt. Mike White's now the quarterback of a 7-4 and Jets team who is hungry for postseason play, and they're still well into the hunt. They're right there with some of the top teams. Like I didn't expect that. That defense is very stout. Quinton Williams has been a dog. He's one of the top 10 players under 25, according to ESPN. And Sauce Gardner is probably one of the best corners in football, along with DJ Reed and uh, Michael Carter II. I'm really, really excited to see what this Jets team has going forward. And I'm really, really happy for Mike White. We're going to move on to the Commanders and the Falcons, another exciting game. I'm genuinely disappointed with this outcome, though, because I thought this was Atlanta's chance to take a game, steal a game, catch back up tie it up with the uh the top of bay buccaneers but unfortunately they lose on some i don't know dan schneider bullshit or sean taylor day bs 19 to 13 the commanders win at home uh brian robinson continues to be one of the best rookies in football with a 14 yard touchdown reception from taylor heineke in the first quarter can we talk about that too that was a man's touchdown he dragged some bodies into that end zone brian robinson jr is here to stay Antonio Gibson, count your days. They're numbered. Fuck you, by the way, too. You suck. 
Youngway Koo had a couple of field goals. Michael Pruitt had a touchdown catch from Mariota. John Bates had a catch from Taylor Heineke, too. Last drive of the game, too. Big deflection made on the goal line on a pass intended for my boy Cordero Patterson. It was broken up and intercepted in the end zone. Commanders win on Sean Taylor Day. Not a lot of impressive stats as it was pouring rain out there, at least passing-wise. Mariota was 15-25, 174 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Olamade Zacchaeus had five receptions for 91 yards. Jesus, he was their top receiver. Hey, anyone know what happened to Drake London? Anyone know? Like, I, I, I could have swore that guy was going to win Oroy. No? No idea? Okay, cool. Cool. For the Commanders, Taylor Heineke was 14-23. Yikes. 138 yards passing, but two touchdown passes and a pick. Not terrible. These are both, you know, replacement-level serviceable starts. Brian Robinson had 18 carries for 105 yards. Terry McLaurin had four receptions for 48 yards. I genuinely thought that the uh, Falcons would find a way to win this one. They didn't, and that's tough. But that's not the main story from this game. The main story is this. If you guys have heard this yet, if not, I'm about to introduce you to something crazy. So remember last year how Dan Schneider completely botched the Sean Taylor uh, Memorial Day? Because this is the week Sean Taylor unfortunately passed away in a uh, shooting by some scumbag kids from Fort Myers, Florida. They traveled across the state of Florida, went to Miami. Sean Taylor was there because he was hurt. If he wasn't hurt or he wasn't sent home by the team, he probably would still be alive today. Unfortunately, Sean Taylor was shot. He bled out in his in his family's home, trying to defend his family from a robbery. He was a young guy, future superstar in this league. Probably would have been one of the greats. Probably would have been a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. No question. He was super talented. Super talented. Another one of my boys from the U. Unfortunately for Sean Taylor, his demise came too soon. Anyways, Dan Snyder and the commander said, let's do another memorial for Sean Taylor. They went out there and made probably one of the worst, worst kind of statues for a man ever. First off, they put it in a glass container, which I'm like, okay, cool. That's cool. They revealed it. It's not a statue. It looks like they put together like a mannequin with his jersey. With They had a Redskins helmet, which, of course, appropriate for the time. They should have put tape on the damn face mask like he used to tape up the face mask. They put a Nike Redskins jersey in the, uh, the glass box. Reebok pants and Adidas cleats. Mixed matching from the whole era. And then it gets even better. Gets even better. It's like, are you kidding me? And then they put gloves on the statue. Sean Taylor never wore gloves. Right? Yeah, he never wore gloves. He taped his fingers. The hell are you thinking? Why don't you do this? How about this, Dan Snyder? You definitely have some team-issued stuff from Sean Taylor. Or the Commanders, Redskins, whatever you're called now. You definitely still have some Sean Taylor-issued shit. Why don't you go out there, either A, just erect a statue of him. Philadelphia has a damn statue of Nick Foles and Doug Peterson talking about running the Philly Special. That's not, like... I mean, yeah, it's a big deal. Got them their first Super Bowl, but what the hell? Like, two guys that aren't even there anymore. Two of probably the most irrelevant guys in Philadelphia franchise history now are going to be talked about forever because they have a damn statue outside of the link. Why don't you make a real statue of Sean Taylor, either inside or out of the stadium? Or what you could have even done, at least put the real shit in there. Like, put something that matches the era. 
Maybe put one of his game-worn helmets, game-worn jersey, and pants. Then I get, okay, you put a mannequin on it. That's fine. Just put a real statue and stop being so freaking cheap. This is why people don't like you, Dan Snyder. Holy shit, dude. I, I really hope they strip him of ownership. This team would be very likable because some of the characters on it. Brian Robinson survived a shooting. Taylor Heineke's one of the cooler dudes in football. All this stuff. Like, a lot of cool stuff. That just sucks that they always do this stuff dirty. They did the Taylor family dirty again. I feel so bad for them. If I had the money, I would have built the statue. Or I would have put the statue in. Let's move on to another team I love to clown. The Denver Broncos against the Carolina Panthers. Broncos country. Let's cry. Oh, yeah, RG3. Uh, I'm going to be sending you some uh, papers, by the way. Uh, you stole that. I said that earlier on a podcast, earlier than you said that. Um, that is, I believe, copyright infringement. So uh, I'm going to be sending my patent in for that catchphrase, by the way, too. So RG3. Um, I'm going to be expecting some guap. I need some bread, bro. Where my bread at? I know you got it still, so uh, pay up. Time is money. And you're wasting my time, RG3, so you're wasting money. Sam fucking Darnold went out there and beat Russell Wilson in 2022. What is, what is this? The freaking Carolina Panthers are 4-8. and eight. They have a better record than the Denver Broncos. And I thought the Broncos were going to be at least above average this year. How are you this bad? That team, that defense is so good on paper. Even before you trade, even without Bradley Chubb. Bradley, I thought this team was going to be dynamite because of that defense. All I said was Russell Wilson just had to not get in his own way, and I thought he would have an elite season and get an MVP vote. Newsflash, he sucks. He fucking sucks. And it shows, too, Nathaniel Hackett's not a great coach, but it shows, too, the players are getting frustrated with Russell Wilson. The fans are frustrated. Everyone's frustrated with this Broncos team. And you can't blame Elway anymore because Elway's not the GM. Elway's not the problem. The problem is Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson, some he's got to be injured or something. Something's got to be wrong with him. I, maybe it's still the finger from last year that he got surgery on and came back way too soon from. It might be that. Who knows? Sam Darnold had a game, though. For him, this is a game. 11 of 19, 164 yards and a touchdown. That's a good game from him. Donta Foreman continues his big play. 24 carries for 113 yards. DJ Moore has another big boy game saying, hey, any team in the offseason, come get me. Four receptions, 103 yards, and a tutty. Russell Wilson looks horrible out there, by the way. 19 to 35, 142 yards, and a touchdown pass with 319 left in the fourth quarter to Brandon Johnson on a one-yard pass. Latavius Murray, pride of UCF, my boy Adam's buddy, threw another buddy of something. My, my boy Adam knows him. 13 carries for 92 yards. Cortland Sutton, six receptions for 175. Not 175, 75, excuse me. This was all Carolina from the start. DJ Moore caught a five-yard pass in the first quarter to make it 7-0. McManus kicked the field goal for Denver to make it 7-3. Eddie Pinheiro nails a 42-yarder at the, near the end of the second quarter to make it 10-3. Sam Darnold had a one-yard fumble recovery touchdown to make it a 17-3 game. Eddie Pinheiro had a pair of field goals, too, and then the Brandon Johnson touchdown. Mike Purcell was getting uppity with Russell Wilson, and I don't blame him. I would be frustrated, too, because this is the guy we brought in, we traded our future for. This is the guy we're paying over $200 million guaranteed. This is him? Are you kidding me? The fuck? I would be frustrated, too. 
I'd be very frustrated. Broncos country, let's cry. Broncos country, I tried. Broncos country, let's cry. Now you got to say it seductively like Russell did. Broncos country, let's cry. This team is doomed. They're doomed and they're dead to rights. If it hasn't been announced already, the Broncos are probably eliminated from playoff contention. Chargers and Cardinals turned into a surprising game. Uh, the narrative that Justin Herbert is in clutch kind of came and went. He had a big game-winning drive. Hit Austin Eckler for a game-winning one-yard touchdown pass with 15 seconds left. Austin Eckler has been pretty good this year. Besides, you know what was weird? He wasn't the leading rusher to last week for his team. Justin Herbert was. Four carries for 38 yards. Kyler Murray has still won, has still not won a game since the new war zone dropped. The Cardinals now look dead to rights as they're four and eight. The Chargers stay alive at six and five. Justin Herbert is back to five hundred as a starter in his career. Don't quote me on that, but I believe he is. Still never been over five hundred as a starter, so uh Justin, it's time to show up. Uh big game from DeAndre Carter. Seven receptions for seventy three yards and a touchdown without Mike Williams there. Keenan Allen had a touchdown as well, right? Right? No, Keenan Allen did not have a touchdown. I'm sorry. Oh, no, he did. He did. I'm, I'm stupid. Keenan Allen had a touchdown in the second quarter. DeAndre Hopkins had a touchdown. Matt Prater had a field goal. Kyler Murray had a five-yard run. James Conner's having a bit of a late-season resurgence. He had a rushing touch. He had a uh, – is it a rushing? Oh, no, receiving touchdown with 13-31 left in the fourth quarter to give the Cardinals a 24-17 lead, which they then ended up losing to lose 25-24 to on a Gerald Everett two-point reception. Um, James Conner had 25 carries for 120 yards. James Conner might be back. If, if there's no trade deadline in your fantasy football leagues and uh, you're looking to make a quick trade, you need a running back, I'd buy James Conner. No joke. I would buy James Conner just because, you know, he's going to be useful come playoff time and he's starting to really find his footing. The Cardinals, not so much, but he might have a big end to the year. Let's move on to the Raiders and Seahawks. This low-key turned out to be the game of the week. I regret trading away Josh Jacobs right now in fantasy. Holy shit, that guy is nice. I can't believe the freaking Raiders and their incompetence. They declined Josh Allen's... Not Josh Allen. Oh, I'm all over the place. Josh Jacobs. They declined Josh Jacobs' fifth year already. Josh Jacobs is going to be a free agent this offseason, and someone will pay him. I know it. I know you're not supposed to pay running backs necessarily, but Josh Jacobs is going to get a contract from someone, whether it be the Raiders or somewhere else. There's a need for him out there. This is a nice little back-and-forth game between two teams that, honestly, I thought were both going to be mid, but actually the Seahawks are a little bit better, and the Bron- uh, Broncos, the Raiders are starting to find their footing a little bit after a disappointing start. Kenneth Walker had a 12-yard run early on in the first quarter to make it 7-0, the Offensive Rookie of the Year, Kenneth Walker III. Amir Abdullah had an 18-yard reception from Derek Carr. The Nebraska man makes it 7-7. Maris College alum Jason Myers, and former Jet, too, made a 24-yard field goal and a 34-yard field goal in the first and second quarter to make it 13-7. Mac Hollins caught a 36-yard pass from Derek Carr to make it 14-13. Then this is where the Josh Jacobs uh, show started. Josh Jacobs had a 30-yard touchdown run to make it 21-13. Tyler Lockett then caught a 35-yard touchdown pass to match it to make it 21-20. And Daniel Carlson nailed a 36-yarder to make it 24-20 heading into halftime. 
Kenneth Walker scores his second touchdown of the day with a 14-yard run to make it 24-27 Seattle. Daniel Carlson then matches a field goal to make it 27-all. Then they kind of trade scores back and forth. In the fourth quarter, this is someone something I didn't expect to see this year, but Travis Homer, kind of forgotten about in that backfield, had an 18-yard reception from Geno Smith to make it 34-27. to And then with a minute 54 left in the game, Derek Carr finds backup tight end Foster Moreau, who's having a nice year replacing Darren Waller, who's been out this year with injury and other BS, to make it a 34-34 game heading into overtime. OT was kind of back and forth for a bit. And then Josh Jacobs rips off an 86-yard touchdown run to rip the hearts out of Seahawks players and fans to give the Raiders a 40-34 victory. Huge day for Josh Jacobs. Almost 300 yards of scrimmage from scrimmage. He had two touchdowns, Josh Jacobs, on 33 carries for 229 yards. Had about 80-something receiving yards, too. He can run and catch the ball. The big question with him for a while was, can he catch the ball? Yes. Yes, he can. Derek Carr has a pretty solid day. 25 of 36, 295 yards, three touchdowns, but two interceptions kind of puts a damper on it. We talked about Josh Jacobs. Tay Adams was 7 for 74 yards. Solid day for him. Just another casual day for him. Geno Smith is 27 to 37. Nice little day completion percentage-wise. 328 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Kenneth Walker had 14 carries for a measly 26 yards, but two touchdowns makes that feel a lot better. And the leading receiver is DeKalen Metcalf with 11 receptions for 90 yards. This was a good game. I really liked it. Shout out to my cousin again. I keep shouting out him out in this episode, but shout out to him for the Sunday ticket. I was able to watch this game. This was awesome to watch live. This was a great game, and I'm so happy I saw it live. I'm going to move on to Rams Chiefs. We're not going to touch much on it, though. Rams are pretty much done. They're 3-8 and eight now. The Kansas City Chiefs are 9-2. and two. Patrick Mahomes continues his claim towards MVP. They win 26-10. Touchdowns were scored by Isaiah Pacheco and Travis Kelsey. Besides that, there wasn't much really that went on. Patrick Mahomes was 27-42 for 320 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. Something called a Bryce Perkins was a leading passer and rusher for the Rams. He was 13-23 for 100 passing yards, a touchdown, and two picks. He also had nine rushes for 44 yards. Van Jefferson was a leading receiver for the Rams with a measly three receptions for 29 yards, but a touchdown does make that look a little better. Isaiah Pacheco had 22 carries on 69 yards. Nice, and a touchdown. Travis Kelsey had four receptions for 57 yards and a touchdown. This was pretty much all Chiefs from the get-go. The Chiefs, according to ESPN, they were entering the game at 96% win odds, and it did not dip much. It stayed around nine, high 90s all game. If this was all Chiefs, I'm not really going to get into it. The Rams are terrible. They missed Cooper Cup. Matt Stafford is a fraud, and he can't stay healthy. Niners Saints, 13 uh, nothing. Niners win. Uh, I think they were too distracted by how handsome Jimmy Garoppolo is. You probably heard that joke a hundred times, so I'm not going to recycle it too much. But, I mean, the, Ni- the Niners are pretty damn good. Jimmy Garoppolo was 26 of, 34- of 37, 222 yards and a touchdown. Elijah Mitchell had seven carries for 35 yards, and Brandon Ayuk had five receptions for 65 yards. The one touchdown scored in this game was a Jawan Jennings reception from Jimmy Garoppolo. Andy Dalton was pretty Andy Dalton-ish today. 18-29, 204 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Uh, he also had four carries for 21 yards, and Chris Olave had five receptions for 62 yards. 
not really a great game to watch as a fan, as a, uh, you know, anyone. I just really didn't like this game. I didn't care for it. Packers-Eagles was a little more exciting, 40-33. to We saw Jalen Hurts and Aaron Rodgers kind of duke it out. Aaron Rodgers got hurt early in this one, played through it, then left with an oblique injury. He said at one point, quote, I couldn't walk. Christian Watson scored another touchdown for Green Bay. A.J. Dillon had a touchdown. I see him get back on pass. Aaron Jones had a touchdown, and Randall Cobb had a touchdown. Good. For the Eagles, Kenneth Gainwell had a touchdown run. Miles Sanders had a touchdown run. Miles Sanders had another touchdown run in the second. Quez Watkins had a 30-yard touchdown reception. And A.J. Brown had a 6-yard touchdown reception. And then that was it. Bunch of field goals from here on out. You know, two drives that Jordan Love was in, they scored a touchdown and they scored a field goal. I think Jordan Love's a lot better than people are going to think say he is. I don't think he's the second coming of a Rodgers and Favre, but I think he's going to be pretty damn good. I think Aaron Rodgers might be done in Green Bay after this year. That was a horrible performance from him, even though he left early. 11-16 for 140 yards, two touchdowns and two picks. That's very un-Aaron Rodgers-like of him. Jalen Hurts had, was 16-28 for 153 yards and two touchdowns. Jalen Hurts has a noodle arm, but it is what it is. The Green Bay Packers suck this year. My least favorite receiver in the NFC East, Devonta Smith, had four receptions for 50 yards to lead the team. He was outduked by Christian Watson, who had four receptions for 110 yards and a touchdown. Jalen Hurts had a big day on the ground, too, 17 carries for 157 yards. The game was exciting, not going to lie, for a Sunday night game. We wanted a little bit of excitement. But I think this might be it for Aaron Rodgers. They lose one or two more games, he might just say, fuck it, I'm done. And let's see what Jordan Love's got. Finally, the somewhat boring yet exciting Monday night game. Jeff Saturday mismanaged the clock down the stretch. The Pittsburgh Steelers, one of my least favorite teams ever, gets the win done. Benny Snell had the go-ahead touchdown run in this one as Najee got a little banged up. He did have a six-yard touchdown in this one. Uh... George Pickens also scored, I believe, a touchdown. Oh, no, two-point conversion and did the Ronaldo uh, celebration in the end zone. That was kind of hype. Jonathan Taylor had another touchdown. Jonathan Taylor starting to find his footing a bit more with another 80-yard game and on 20 carries and a touchdown. Matt Ryan had another solid one, 22-34, 199 yards, one tutty, one interception thrown. Kenny Pickett was 20-28, nice percentage-wise, but 174 yards, no touchdown passes but the two-point conversion pass to George Pickens. Benny Snell had 12 carries for 62 yards and a tutty, and George Pickens had three receptions for 57 yards. Something called a, uh, a Jelani Woods had eight receptions for 98 yards from Matt Ryan as well. Um, game notes. Not much on this. This was a mid-off. Fuck this game. All right. Let's get into some fun here, shall we? The game's coming up. If you listened to this before the uh, Bills-Pats prime video Thursday night game, I know the Bills are heavily favored in this one. But I'm going to be real with you. Mac Jones had a really good one the last time out. Really nice one last time out. I mean, the Bills have to win today to keep themselves atop of this division. I mean, they have a little bit of room for error as the uh, the Dolphins are playing the 49ers this week, a potential Super Bowl matchup. 
But I do think that this game's going to be a lot closer than people think. It still sucks to see that Mac Jones is going to have to kind of be fed to the Wolves here against a really stout Buffalo team who's without Von Miller now. Josh Allen's a bit banged up, but Josh Allen's still having a great year. He has almost 1,000 more yards thrown than Mac Jones, but Mac Jones has been hurt too. He missed some time. Ramondre Stevenson is going to be the lead back tonight as he is in pursuit of his first 1,000-yard rushing season as a pro. Stephon Diggs, who already has 1,100 yards receiving, is going to have a big game tonight most likely. It's going to be an interesting, interesting game. David versus Goliath, but the roles are reversed from how it's usually been in the 21st century where the Patriots have been Goliath and the Bills have been David. I personally do like Mac Jones throwing for like 200 to 250 yards tonight. But I also really like Josh Allen and the Bills tonight. Give me Josh Allen and the Bills on the road, but it's not going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a 27 to 20 or a 35 to 28, 35-30 to game. It's going to be a close one, very close one. I wouldn't say very close, but it's going to be within a score, maybe 10 points the most. I do like Buffalo giving four. I would take Buffalo here, and i take Buffalo money line. Rest of the week, uh, we had some interesting ones. I'm only going to really talk about interesting games. Jets and Vikings Sunday at 1 o'clock. Jets go into Minnesota looking to dethrone Kirk Cousin and the Vikings, be one of the two teams that have or joined two of the teams that have beat them this year, including my Dallas Cowboys. Commanders and Giants with big division implications on the line. Commanders are a seven-win team. The Giants are a seven-win team. This is going to be a meaningful December game between two teams who usually are ass at this time of the year. Jags-Lions isn't necessarily a big game, but that's a fun game to watch. So I would circle that one as a uh, kind of a wacky, oh, I want to watch this game. This is going to be fun. Some young talent in that one, like Amon Ross, St. Brown, Trevor Lawrence, Christian Kirk, who's having a really nice year, about to become a 1,000-yard receiver. It's going to be a good game. Uh, Broncos-Ravens, Lamar Jackson versus corner Lamar Jackson. That's going to be kind of funny, but besides that, I would not watch this game. Uh, Browns-Texans, Deshaun Watson's return. Fuck that guy. He is a sick fuck. He should not be allowed near the NFL. I'm disturbed that he's even playing this year with all the allegations. I'm also not a big Deshaun Watson fan either. I've never been a Deshaun Watson fan, but I would love to see Deshaun Watson lose in Houston one more time like he always did. The uh, Seahawks and Rams, not really interesting. Dolphins 49ers is the game of the week. <sighs> San Francisco's given four points at home. I'm going to be real with you guys. If you're going to take Dolphins, take them, and then also take Dolphins spread. The Dolphins have arguably the best offense in football with Tua Tagovailoa, the league MVP. Raheem Mostert's not going to play, but Jeff Wilson is. And Jeff Wilson's been dynamite since he's been there. And then Tyreek Hill's the leading receiver for this team he has over 1200 yards receiving already on 87 receptions and four touchdowns and guess what it's week 13 and he's putting up those numbers that's like what cd lamb put up last year and no disrespect to cd lamb i love cd lamb as a wideout he put up better numbers than what cd lamb did all of last year right now 13 not even 13 weeks into the season tyree kills him tyree kills him jimmy garoppolo's had a nice surprising year too 2,300 yards, 16 touchdowns, and four picks. Slightly worse than Tua, but not better, necessarily. Jimmy G's having a nice year, though. And uh, what was I say? Oh, yeah. Cut Trey Lance. 
Start the man next year. I know you're listening. Maybe. Please be listening, Niners GMs. Go Cowboys. Chargers and Raiders is going to have some division implications. I like the Chargers losing that game. And finally, the last two games on this slate for Week 13, we have Colts and Cowboys Sunday night at 8:20. Dallas is 10 and a half point favorites at home against the resurgent Colts. I like that spread. I like my Cowboys against the Colts. Little word because if we lose, that'd be embarrassing. But the Cowboys, when they're pretty much going to be in the playoffs, maybe fight for their division. But I like them securing a playoff spot or making their playoff odds a lot higher and a lot more safer with a win over the Colts this week. Saints and Bucks, give me the Saints. Tampa Bay's three and a half point favorites. I'd like to see the Saints win, cause some chaos in this division. And also, a couple of games I missed from saying. Steelers, Falcons, I like the Falcons in this one. Pittsburgh's one point favorites. Give me the Falcons. Um, we have Titans, Eagles. I like the Titans upset. Although they are going to be in the link, I'd like to see the Titans upset them. But realistically, Philadelphia will probably win this game, but not by much as the Eagles are being exposed a bit as frauds. Seahawks, Rams, I think I might have mentioned. But I like the Seahawks in that one to get back on track and put a win in their win column. All right, we got some extra time here, so uh, we can BS for a bit. We can BS. We can talk a little bit of shop. Um, a couple of things that have came up today that I would love to talk about. First order of business, let's talk Antonio Brown because nor Antonio Brown news is coming out. As this boy Kanye is out here saying some horribly despicable stuff about Jewish people and praising Adolf Hitler, which we don't condone here on this podcast. His best friend forever, Antonio Brown, is currently in a standoff with police as there is an issue for his arrest or a warrant for his arrest as uh, he threatened his baby mama and ex-fiance that he would kill her. He's apparently not cooperating with police and he's staying inside of his house as they're outside his house urging him to come out. It's just a sad, sad thing. He is 100% someone who is dealing with CTE and... You know, I hope he gets all the help he needs. I'm not a fan of his. I've never been a fan of his. I did dress up as him for Halloween this year because I thought it would be funny as hell to dress up as him for Halloween. But just a sad, sad thing to see a guy like Antonio Brown who has all this talent and had one of the best work ethics in football, came from nothing, came from a small school, Central Michigan, and he worked his ass off. By the way, Adam, take a drink if you didn't know that one. And... You know, it's sad to see how the mighty fall. I never thought he was the best receiver of his generation, but he was one of the better ones. I thought Julio was always better than Antonio Brown, but it's just a terrible thing to see a guy who had all this success, all this wealth. He was a likable guy for some people because he had this great story of coming from nothing, as I already mentioned. But, you know, I hope he gets the help he deserve, he needs. I hope when he does eventually get arrested – they send him to therapy and he gets all the help he needs because I don't want to see another Antonio Brown episode. It just looks bad for the league and it looks bad for him as one man from another or coming from one man to another. I hope you get your shit together, Antonio, because it's embarrassing. Your kids are going to be embarrassed. Your family's embarrassed. Everyone just wants you to get help. Just go get it. It's not the worst thing in the world. I'm someone who has spoken to therapists before and I know it's not fun and it's not easy to talk about, but You know, it's probably the only way to deal with your mental issues at this point. Moving on, 
some uh, other news in the sports world. Uh, the United States upsetting Iran in the World Cup. We kind of touched on that briefly. Uh, Christian Pulisic will play Saturday. He released a quote about his uh, abdominal injury. People asked him about uh, if you know he got kicked in the nuts on the goal he scored. Epic goal, by the way. I was watching in the locker room with my teammates, freaking out. Uh, he said, basically, according to Barstool Sports, this is what he said. Quote, it wasn't my balls. Guy's a dog, by the way. Captain America bringing home this World Cup for us. As There's a lot of wacky shit going on. Um, more news, kind of. Let's talk a little bit of baseball. Uh, Matt Boyd and Shelby Miller signed major league deals. Matt Boyd's going to stay with the Tigers. Shelby Miller is going to go to the Dodgers. Vet minimums are near, you know, rental low and, like, low-risk, high-reward buys for veteran pitching. The big news, however, broke a couple of days ago, right after I made my podcast. I said I'd talk about Jose Abreu on the next one with the MLB one. We'll get more into it later. Jose Abreu signed a three-year deal to be with the Houston Sheet Astros, and it looks like the Yuli Gurriel era is over in Houston. I know Michael Swallow's probably like, oh, they can still get Yuli back. They're not going to get Yuli back. Yuli's old. They're not getting Mancini back. That does make that lineup scary, but Jose Abreu has become one of the more overrated players in baseball as he's gotten older. One of the least deserved MVP awards ever in 2020 when that was clearly DJ LeMayhew's award. The Yankees should have had two MVPs in the last three seasons. Bullshit and malpractice by the Baseball Writers Association, who I have roasted earlier on. If you want to go listen to part one of a podcast I did about future Hall of Famers, I wrote an article about it. I might actually post that once we get the blog up. The blog's going to be up January 1st. I'm going to have my blog up by January 1st or the website for this podcast. I'm working on everything. We're going to be doing live streams, all that stuff. Live streams will probably be on YouTube or maybe Twitch. I don't know yet. Wherever else, like the audios afterwards will be recorded and put onto Spotify and all those other stuff. So it'll be up for a video replay on YouTube. It'll be really awesome. Last order of business is going to be more of a talking point for me. More of a funny thing. So uh, I was on my commute over to Studio 38 today, and I was sent a video of someone from Barstool. I love Barstool, by the way. Barstool, please hire me. I know you have a Stony Brook alum there. Um, Frank the Tank, as uh, many know him as. Frank Fleming of Barstool. Super Yankee hater. Big Mets guy. Big uh, Dolphins guy, too. So Frank Fleming named his pitchers that are better than Garrett Cole. I'm just going to play the video's audio for you guys, and I want you to take a listen to it, and then I'm going to give you my two cents. So uh, here we go. Here goes nothing. He's better than Garrett Cole. Uh, Jacob DeGrom, Justin Verlander, uh, uh, Sandy Alcantara, uh, Shohei Otani, uh, uh, let's see, Robbie Ray, uh, Max Scherzer, Chris Bassett, um, uh, Steven Strider, uh, <laughs> Zach Wheeler. <laughs> Spencer Strider, but I'll give you that. <laughs> Zach Wheeler, uh, uh they're about uh, this is gonna take all day. Do like two hours later. Yeah. Taiwan Walker, um, uh, Shane Bieber. Uh, maybe I can slide him behind Shane Bieber. 
All right. All right, I gotta cut that off. So Frank Fleming, diehard Mets fan. Uh, not much of a real sports analyst. I know he's at Barstool. He's with Starting Nine. But let's be real for a minute. Frank Fleming is probably one of the worst sports personalities out there. He's entertaining. He's like basically, if you put Wee Hoopin in Barstool, like a super fan like that, that's what he is. That'd be like if I worked at Barstool, I'd push the Yankees a bit more. Look, I talk down on my Yankees, and I'm honest when they're good. I'm honest when they're bad. I know I have a little bit of bias towards them because I am a fan. And I know as a sports reporter and a sports media guy, I shouldn't really have a bias. But sometimes it comes out a bit, and I'm a bit apologetic about it. And I I know I did kind of celebrate the Mets' downfall a little too hard this year. And I did make a Yankees' downfall podcast as well on this. If you want to go back a few episodes, check that out. I believe that was episode 24. Um, the pitchers he named, Jacob DeGrom, Justin Verlander, Sandy Alcantara, Shohei Otani, Robbie Ray, Shane Bieber, Max Scherzer, Chris Bassett, Spencer Strider, Zach Wheeler, and Taiwan Walker. No. Not for a second do I believe that. Those, all those guys are in front of them. Some of them are. All of them? <laughs> Absolutely not. So by his logic, Garrett Cole was the fifth best pitcher in baseball this year. The fifth best pitcher in New York this year. He wouldn't have been a starter on the Mets, basically. Because he had DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett, and Walker ahead of him. There is no world where there's four Mets pitchers better than Garrett Cole. I don't even think he's better than... There's two Mets pitchers better than Garrett Cole at their best. Because Jacob DeGrom is not durable. And Max Scherzer showed a lot of cracking in that armor down the stretch this year. My personal opinion on this list. I'll go down and name, go through every single guy and say Garrett Cole is better than them. Is Jacob DeGrom better than Garrett Cole? Jacob DeGrom is better. That's one guy better right there. Justin Verlander... He's old, though. Yeah, Justin Verlander's better. I hate to say it, but yes, Justin Verlander's better than Garrett Cole. Sandy Alcantara, yes, this year at least, yes. Shohei Otani, no. No, Shohei is not better than Garrett Cole as a pitcher. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, all you Shohei fanboys. Shohei's great, don't get me wrong, but I don't buy that Shohei's a better pitcher than Garrett Cole. I think he's sl- Garrett Cole's slightly better. Garrett Cole had a bit of a down year ERA wise, but you gotta remember, Garrett Cole is a power pitcher. He was striking out. He led the league in strikeouts. He's finished top three in the American League Cy Young all every single year since he's been here, except for this year. Garrett Cole's paid the money he is for a reason. Garrett Cole was great in the postseason. That's why I struggled a little bit to put him ahead of some of the other guys that he named. I think that's maybe where you get into the argument: who's more? If it was who's more clutch? Garrett Cole's more clutch than Jacob Degrom. Uh, Robbie Ray, absolutely not. Robbie Ray is a fraud. We all know this now. There was a reason he was coming out of the bullpen for the Mariners, and he wasn't even one of their best pitchers down the stretch. Robbie Ray's Cy Young Award is going to be up there with Doug Fisters or uh, Rick Porcello, who, which one of those random guys. I think it was Porcello won it now that I think about it. But one of the more random Cy Young winners will never, ever be relevant again. Stole that award from Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole pitched hurt down the stretch, hurting his chances of winning that Cy Young last year. Garrett Cole is a true Cy Young Award winner there, in my opinion. That's in my heart. But Robbie Ray has fallen off a cliff. Robbie Ray, absolutely not. So, so far I have three. Shane Bieber, no way in hell. Shane Bieber had a Mickey Mouse Cy Young year. He's a great pitcher, don't get me wrong, but Shane Bieber has not proven to me he's better than Garrett Cole. Max Scherzer, all time, yes. Recently, no. Why? The injuries are catching up to Max Scherzer, 
and he has not proven to been have been clutch since the 2019 season. Chris Bassett, I don't know there, what idiot thinks that besides Frank Fleming. I'm not trying to be mean, Frank. Please, please don't come find me. Barstool, don't come and find me and kill me, but... No, no, no. Chris Bassett had a bit of a up and down year at the Mets. He was great. Don't get me wrong. He's a good pitcher. And I would love to have Chris Bassett on my squad. And every team would love to have Chris Bassett on their squad. Slide, he's sliding to any rotation and fit nicely. But he's not no Garrett Cole. He's, no, he's not on that tier of pitcher. I'm sorry. No. Spencer Strider's great and all, but no. No. He's too young for me. Too much of a rookie. No. Zach Wheeler... He's probably even to Garrett Cole, in my opinion. I can flip a coin and tell you yes or no. I'm going to say no, just for my fandom's sake. But Zach Wheeler is one of the best pitchers in the National League. I think he would. He is kind of like Garrett Cole. Taiwan Walker, absolutely not, Frank. Come on now. Stop, stop, stop. Taiwan Walker is so bad. He is not the same pitcher he was when he first became a Met, and there's a reason the Mets aren't going to bring him back. Now, it would be different if you went out there and said, Justin Verlander, Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer, Sandy Alcantara, and then someone like... Whew. I don't think... I think that's it. Zach Galen, maybe? Or Gallon, whatever you say it. Luis Castillo this year. I wouldn't even say Framber Valdez is ahead of him. No, because Framber Valdez is a bit overrated. Christian Javier, maybe one day. Aaron Nola's in the conversation. Spencer Strider's in the conversation, too. Max Fried, as well, deserves an honorable mention. But that's about it. Those guys, I wouldn't even, Most of those guys, I kind of struggled after the first three or four names. I wouldn't even put them ahead of Garrett Cole, personally. I do like some other pitchers. Other, like I think Carlos Rodon. If he said Carlos Rodon ahead of Garrett Cole, I would have maybe understood it a bit more, even though I don't think Rodon is better than Garrett Cole. I think Frank Fleming is just biased because he's a Mets guy. He loves the Mets. Just like I love my Yankees, but I'm not going to sit here and blatantly lie to you and tell you that Jacob deGrom is worse than Garrett Cole. I, th I think Jacob deGrom's a fraud and he's less clutch, but I don't think he's better than Garrett. I don't think Garrett Cole's better. Personally. And I think that's going to do it for us here. Um, just know that today, I put on a better podcast. I put out better content than ESPN. ESPN was not really talking much today. They posted, instead of talking about anything else, they posted about Lionel Messi's dog. They didn't talk much baseball today, as I'm going to go through their page. All they really talked about was LeBron talking about the Jerry Jones thing, which, I, you know what? That's not that I missed. Let's get into that real quick. So LeBron James was asked a lot of weird questions in a press conference today. I, I was a little – I had a different stance on this before I came in today. But now I think I have a bit more of a different stance and a bit more clarity on this. LeBron James went into a press conference today or last night, and he was asked some questions about Kyrie. And then he was asked, you know, you asked me those questions. Why aren't you asking me about the Jerry Jones thing that happened uh, 60 years ago? So if you're unaware, there's a picture of Jerry Jones when he was about 14 years old at a high school. And uh, it's a bunch of white kids denying black kids entry as it was in the middle of the segregation area, er, era and schools were being desegregated. Now, we're not going to get political on this podcast. Fuck politics being in sports. 
I'm going to be straight up with that right now. There is no place for politics in sports, especially on this podcast because we don't want to get political. We don't do that whole bias and stance stuff. Look, I know the picture is bad, but it was a different time back then. And also, that's 60 years old. It's not like Donald Sterling coming out and saying, I don't want these people at my games, which was horrible and disgusting, and I hated that statement because that's, that's, that's something bad. That's a racist statement. Or it's not like, you know, the Gruden emails were old and stuff, but still, it was pretty bad, the Gruden emails. This was 60 years ago, this Jerry Jones thing. That was a different time. Jerry Jones is what, 82? 80? He's in his 80s somewhat, right, Jerry Jones? I'm going to look that up real quick while I'm here. Or I'm going to get a fact check on that. He's 80. So that picture when he was 14 over 60 years ago. Yeah, 60 years ago. And LeBron's sitting there asking me, why don't you ask me about Jerry Jones? Look, dude, I get it. It's You think you're some sign of social justice warrior because of the stuff you do, and you're very preachy about it, and I get you're trying to get a message across, and I don't condemn what you do at all. I think what you do is, you know, you're trying to be bigger than sports. However, this has no, no effect on your career. It has no effect on you as a basketball player. I get the Kyrie questions a little bit just because you used to play with him and you were friends with him and you've openly wanted Kyrie back on the Lakers or to join you on the Lakers, but and Kyrie's been open about joining you. But, like, come on. The Kyrie questions were a bit out of pocket. As a sports journalist, just focus on sports. Focus on the guy. Focus on what he did. Focus on what's going on with him. If it's something off the – if the Jerry Jones thing is really bothering him off the court, yeah, maybe then ask him, like, you know, does the Jerry Jones thing, because I know you've been public about it, what do you think? Has that been bothering you off the court or some stuff like that? Don't ask him about a political question. Don't get political with him because LeBron James is probably one of the most least qualified people to talk politics. I might be more qualified to talk about politics than LeBron. I minored in political science in college. And let me be real, too. I don't like talking politics, especially on this podcast. I don't want to talk politics with people. I'm making this episode longer now just to further condemn politics and sports. One thing I do agree with Brett Favre on is there's no place for it. Because at the end of the day, sports is an escape, in a way, for most people from the real world. Sunday football comes on, that's something, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or an Independent, or you have this certain view, you like this guy, oh, I hate this person, I hate that person. That's a place where everyone should just come together and enjoy their Sunday. Sports is something, it's an outlet. It shouldn't be something to preach a political message. That's my two cents on it, and that's why on this podcast, from this point on, we will never, ever discuss politics again. Ever. And I hope there's a place in hell for the people that talk about politics and sports. Because I don't want to get political with my sports. I just want to hear about, oh, how'd LeBron play last night? Uh, he put up 27-7? Cool. Uh, how did uh, how did CeeDee Lamb do yesterday? Oh, he had uh, 10 receptions, 120 yards, and it's a game-winning touchdown. That's awesome. The Jets, uh, did the Jets win? Oh, they had a big play from Sauce Gardner. Awesome. Oh, uh, Melvin Gordon just signed recently. That's cool. That's great. I love seeing Melvin Gordon still getting opportunities in the league. Or, oh, Cam Newton just posted a new workout video. Cool. Cool, maybe Cam Newton will f- catch on with the team. That's what I want to hear about. That's what I want to hear about. I don't want to hear about Jerry Jones' thing. Look, that's that's so long ago, that was acceptable back then. It's terrible, yeah, it's a bad thing, but it shouldn't be something that's trying to get him fired now. Come on now, people. He's a different man. He's a changed man. 
I know something that happened in the 50s and 60s. The, LeBron should not be bothered by this. It shouldn't be affecting his play, and it, he shouldn't be out here bitching to reporters. Why don't you ask me about that? Look, you can call me what you want. You can think I'm racist for saying this. I know I'm not. I'm not a racist. I don't just. I just don't like this political shit coming up in my sports and coming up in sports. In my world, there's no politics involved in sports. No more politics on this podcast from here on out. This is the last you'll hear of it from me. If you want to go listen to politics, go turn on CNN. Go turn on Fox. Go read LI Life. Go read a, a paper. Go read the New York Post. Go read the New York Times. Go read the Washington Journal or whatever it is. Washington Post. Go read Wall Street Journal. Excuse me. I'm a, I'm a journalism major. You should know this. Go read that stuff. Or go take a political science class. I'm not talking about it here. End of story. Anyways, that's going to wrap it up here for this episode. Uh, make sure to tune in tonight to some Thursday Night Football. I know it looks not the greatest, but it could be a lot worse. We could be getting, you know, Rams and freaking Texans. Or we could be getting, like, Broncos Texans or Broncos Rams. Like, we could be getting a lot worse of a game. But, you know, we're getting something good ish with the Patriots and the Bills. Sorry, I started for a second. Well, that's all the time we have here today in Studio 38. Thank you for tuning in. New episode probably Saturday, and then Sunday we'll do another one. Sunday we'll do a baseball-centric episode. Saturday we'll do previews for Saturday football games and some maybe some basketball. I'll try and get some guests on Saturday. I'll be in the area. So we'll do that. Tomorrow I'm off. I have a, uh, a job interview and my other job to do with the paper. So anyways, thanks for tuning in. I know this episode is a little long. I like to say an hour or less, but it's an hour and ten today. You don't like it, bite me. I'm sorry. Anyways, thanks again for tuning in. Website July, not July, website January 1st will be live. I'll have links to that everywhere on my social medias. Make sure to follow at Nick's World of Sports on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram on my personal, at Nick underscore Sapola. Follow my TikTok, at NickSip69, if you want to see my video about Iran. If you want to follow me on Twitter, at Nick double underscore Sapola. That's all I got. Make sure to tune in to the next episode. Until then, I will see you next time. Peace. thing i forgot to add it i'm sorry i know it's after the outro and if you're still here i just want to give a special shout out to uh, jake story alley from uh talking yanks and talking baseball and a john boy media crew recently liked one of my instagram posts from a while back when i met them and uh he followed me on instagram recently just want to give a special shout out to him for uh you know following me on instagram i think that's a cool achievement so uh jake if you're listening thank you